Chapter Eight of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, 1768 to 1800, Part Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, 1768 to 1800, Part Three. By Francois René de Chateaubriand. Chapter Eight. London from April to September, 1822. A Soldier's Life. Last Representation of Old Military France. The order of march was given for Thionville. We went five or six leagues a day. The weather was desperate. We marched in rain and mud, singing as we went. O Richard, O Montroy, O pauvre Jacques. On arriving at our place of encampment, we had neither wagons nor provisions, but were obliged, with the asses which followed the columns like an Arabian caravan, to seek for something to eat in the farmhouses and villages. We paid for everything with scrupulous punctuality i was nevertheless subjected to punishment for having thoughtlessly taken two pears from the garden of a chateau a great bell a great river and a grand seigneur says the proverb are bad neighbours we pitched our tents by accident we were obliged continually to beat the canvas in order to enlarge the threads so as to prevent the water from coming through the allowance was ten men to a tent each of whom in his turn acted as cook one went for meat another for bread another for wood and a fourth for straw i had a great talent for making soup and received the compliments of my companions especially when i mixed up with it some milk and cabbage after the fashion of brittany among the iroquois i had learned to brave smoke so that i contrived to get on well round my fire made with green and wet branches this soldier's life is very amusing i fancied myself still among the indians when eating our mess under the tent my companions used to ask me for stories of my travels and they paid me in kind we all lied like a corporal in a wine-shop with a conscript paying his reckoning one thing fatigued me washing my linen it was however necessary to be done and that very often for the obliging thieves had left me but a single shirt borrowed from my cousin armand besides the one which i had on when engaged in soaping my stockings pocket-handkerchiefs and my only shirt on the bank of a stream with my head down and my back up i was constantly seized with giddiness the movement of my arms caused me intolerable pain in the chest I was obliged to sit down amongst the watercresses and the grass, and in the midst of the commotions of war, to watch the flowing of the peaceful waters. Lopez de Vega had his bandage of love washed by a shepherdess. This shepherdess would have been very useful to me for a little turban, made of the inner bark of the birch-tree, which I had received from the Floridan women. An army is generally composed of soldiers somewhat about the same age, the same size, and the same strength. Ours was altogether different. A confused assemblage of old men, children not long out of their nursery, and a general jargon the dialect of normandy brittany picardy auvergne gascony provence and languedoc a father served with his son a father-in-law with his son-in-law an uncle with his nephew a brother with a brother a cousin with his cousin this motley crowd ridiculous as it appeared had something honourable and affecting in its nature because it was animated by sincere convictions it presented a picture of the old monarchy and a last representation of classes of men which were passing away i have seen gentlemen of a severe countenance with grey hair torn clothes knapsacks on their backs and their guns slung dragging themselves along by the help of a stick and assisted by the arm of one of their sons i have seen m de boischu the father of my comrade who was massacred at the states of rennes close beside me marching along sorrowful and alone his bare feet in the mud and carrying his shoes on the point of his bayonet for fear of wearing them out i have seen young men wounded lying under a tree and a priest in a riding-coat and stole, kneeling by their head, and sending them to St. Louis, whose descendants they were making an effort to defend. The whole of this poor crowd, without receiving a single sou from the princes, 
carried on the war at their own cost, whilst decrees were despoiling them of their all, and throwing their wives and mothers into jails. The old men of the former time were less unfortunate and less isolated than those of the present day. If, when surviving, they lost their friends, little else was changed. Strangers to you, they were not so to the usages of society. Now, a linger in the world has not only seen men die, but ideas also. Principles, tastes, pleasures, pains, and sentiments, nothing bears any resemblance to what he has known. It is a new and different species of the human race, in the midst of which he brings his days to a close. Nevertheless, let France of the nineteenth century learn to estimate that old France to which she owed so much. The present will become old in its turn, and will be accused, as it accuses the past, of entertaining superannuated notions. It is their fathers whom they have conquered. Let them not deny those from whose blood they have sprung. Had they not been nobly faithful to the usages of the olden time, the men of the present age would not have drawn from their national fidelity that energy which has led to their glory in the new age. Between the two Frances there is nothing more than a transformation of virtues. End of chapter 8